Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Hey folks, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place for six, seven and eight figure sellers to learn to improve their profits and create a valuable seven figure business or even better. Today we are talking with Isaac Kuhlman and we are talking about metrics really. So um, Isaac's the expert in that, he's from Real Coaching and today we are talking about KPIs, key metrics to track. A lot of this stuff is fairly straightforward stuff and for a lot of experienced owners, um, quite a lot of standard stuff but there may well be things in here that you're missing out on so stay tuned and make sure that you're covering all the metrics that you really need to know uh, occasionally it surprises me when i work with a business owner that's already doing um into six figures a year certainly that they sometimes don't know the to me fairly basic metrics that they should so people often miss out on this for longer than you think so if you're very focused on just selling and not measuring enough stay tuned and uh, make sure you take note and use this as a sort of checklist are you doing all these things are you measuring all these things enjoy the show so i've taken us completely off track from our, our beautiful <laughs> outline here but i i really really liked that the simplicity of this and it's yeah. you have to be rocket science about it but there's just so much more money here like yeah. 2x profit is not a subtle difference right so Let's get into some of these metrics then. So we talked about simplifying, increasing the average order value, like the profit side. So what mm -hmm. metrics do we need to keep an eye on in the first instance? What actually matters, do you think, amongst the sea of numbers? Which yeah, four so or five do you keep an eye on? There's, there's definitely quite a few that I like to look at, but the absolutely main ones, I would say, is, is, is know your conversion rate. That's like huge. If you know your conversion rate, which is tracked on Amazon, as, it's not exactly a one-to-one -one conversion rate, but they call it unit sessions percentage. Now, the reason why it's not one-to-one -one is because if somebody buys two, it actually increases your unit sessions percentage because it's a unit per percentage for your session. So how many units are sold per session, which is not the same as how many purchases are there, like how many orders are there per session, right? If it was order session percentage, it'd be the perfect conversion. But if it's unit session percentage, it's best we got. So what we say is you want to be kind of over 20% there. And the reason why is because on Amazon, unlike on a website, where you might get two or three percentage for your conversion rate uh, on Amazon, people already have their you know credit card on file. They know it's a shopping site. All they're trying to do is actually buy the right thing that fits their needs. So if you have a conversion rate lower than twenty percent, you probably have an area of improvement. Now, this is probably for products that are below forty dollars. After that, it kind of trails down. Like if you're over hundred dollars, you can expect maybe a five percent or ten percent conversion rate at best, but under 30, 40 bucks, you can highly get 20% a lot. Like it's, it's, it's not that hard to do. And the best way we do it is understanding, okay, where's my, where's my big fault? Is it conversion or sessions? Sessions. Now that's how many clicks come to your, you know, to your listing. So how many people click on your listing from a search result or from an ad per day? So if you're at like 20 or 30, that's too low because you probably want to have 50 to hundred on average somewhere in there. That means that if your sessions are lower than 50, you probably don't have a good enough organic ranking or you don't do ads or something's going on there where you're losing position and you're not being visible enough for people to click you enough. Or you just sell a product that doesn't get very many sales like for uh, the niche or yours doesn't stand out. So 
we always talk about what, what helps conversion. So bullet points, having really good bullet points that talk about the benefits. And when I say benefits, this is something that people just don't get very easily. Think about what problems your product solves. So ice scraper, right? You don't think that it solves a problem, but it does, of course. Why would anybody buy one if it doesn't solve a problem? So the biggest problem is it wants to clear ice from windshields, right? So that's the biggest problem. The real problem, the real life problem is that people are freezing cold when they're out there doing it with a poor ice scraper, right? So the first benefit I put on my listing was stop freezing your butt off. And for the UK, I put stop freezing your bum off. And (laughs) that's a real life benefit, like, right? So get in, get out, like get out and scrape it faster, less hassle, get back in your car, back in your house. So you're warm again. Whereas if you're sitting outside freezing and trying to do like a credit card or a bad ice scraper, you're out there way too long. That's a real life benefit. That's a problem that you're solving with that product. You think about your product. What problem are you truly solving? A spatula, right? Think of how hard it is to flip an egg without a spatula. Flip a pancake without a spatula. These are things that people don't think about. Flip pancakes easily. Flip eggs easily. These are things that everybody's like, oh, my product doesn't really solve a problem. Well, it doesn't solve world hunger. No, but it solves an actual human problem. That's why they're buying it. So that's how you increase your conversion by talking in your bullet points about how your your product helps them solve their problems in their daily lives. Yeah, talking of real, I mean, I suppose you're all about the word real in your your messaging. Real problems actually is not the problem. It's the problem behind the problem, right? So I I like the way you've articulated that. It's not really about your your windscreen getting cleared. I mean, I suppose you could talk about danger of not getting it cleared, but most stuff will clear a windscreen eventually, I suppose. Yeah, Uh, pour hot water on it as long as you Yeah, but the thing is, it's how long you're out there. So I guess what you're really selling is fast windscreen clearing. And I guess for the really nervous driver, safety. And there's different things, I guess, right? There are different selling points which you can yeah. get across. But I like that, that, like that thinking. It's, it's not rocket science either. I think an awful lot of people just kind of abandon their human thinking when they start selling digitally. And, and you, know, you just need to think back to the physical situation where yeah. you use the product, right? Yeah, I mean, so, if you imagine it being like a sales thing where somebody's talking to you and they're saying, why do I want to buy your ice scraper? Yes. Well, <laughs> Where you can say, oh, well, we're the best. We have this plastic feature here. It's like, nobody wants to know that, right? They want to know, why did you create this thing? Why is it better than the rest? How does it help them solve their problems? And and basically answer all those questions in the listing. So that way they don't have to wait for that answer to come back through a question and answer, or they'll just leave and never come back because they didn't ever have have their question answered. So lead with those benefits. And then you can explain how that works through the features of the product. So there's lots of ways to do that. But yeah, I mean, like, for example... I say that the the product is dang near indestructible. So like I've run over it with a car, I've stomped on it, didn't break. Now people have got it to where they broke, but I'm pretty sure that those were you know loosely glued on or something. I don't know what the deal was with those, uh, but it's very very minimal. So I say it's dang near indestructible. So basically, you can go in there and just smash away on big guys chunks and all this other stuff because we have what I call a reinforced buttress feature on the the ice scraper, which. Right. Could mean absolutely nothing to anybody but i like this way it sounds reinforced buttress it does sound so- like you're quite kind of proud of your product which i think you know once you've proven that it's actually relevant to my life it is something at least you can stand behind it you sound yeah. quite passionate about ice scrapers i like that's very sweet it's very it's very uh amazon seller you get very involved yeah. with well, strange things like, you yeah. don't have to be passionate about the product but you should be passionate about the brand and the brand has to stand for something right so yeah. when you actually use the products if you if you don't if you've never used the product in your life you yeah. probably shouldn't sell it because you don't know no. what the benefits are, how it solves problems. You're only guessing. So Where do you live, Isaac? I, 
I just wonder, you sound like somebody who lives in like Chicago and his experience minus 10 or whatever you call it in Fahrenheit, some weird number, 25 yeah. degrees. Meaning so freezing. I live in Las Vegas now, but I Las grew Vegas. up in the mountain ranges in the Midwest, uh, okay. Montana, North Dakota. And then I yeah. grew up as well in, in Oregon where everywhere of those places gets frosty. That it gets explains super it. super cold in North Dakota to where I've seen over minus 50 celsius so that's wow that's like that's arctic cold. that's really yeah. <laughs> really seriously cold that you that's yeah. right this america's you just forget when you're selling to america somebody was saying yesterday this is a, a small but important really important point and this is british guy who sells plant pots and he was saying that you know one of the things that never occurs to you until you go to different countries the, the questions and america isn't just a country it's a continent so people were saying is this going to melt in you know like 120 degrees fahrenheit you see i'm, I'm translating back into your language 125 yep. fahrenheit heat in other words over blood temperature which is not a thing in britain that just never happens it's just not possible but in arizona all the time new mexico probably whatever but equally minus 50 degrees centigrade this just does not exist in britain it's just not a thing i mean minus yeah. 10 is well, really wait. cold climate change might change that soon, yeah well okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully get warmer yeah. but the point is north dakota does minus 50 and, and you know arizona does you know death valley does whatever 45 degrees so suddenly yeah you, you've got to relate to the physical experience of being in that temperature and as yeah. you say if you don't know what you're doing you shouldn't be selling it and by the way i don't think it necessarily applies to retail arbitrage because you don't get to change the listing but if you're private label product developer and you don't know how to use your product yeah. you are yeah. really unhiding for nothing so i agree with that so if, if you're you going to a retail arbitrage it doesn't yeah. apply because the listing's already made all you're doing is based on price and and competitiveness in that area so yeah absolutely right but yeah if you're a private label seller and you don't know anything if you don't live in north dakota maybe you know, don't sell ice scrapers if you only experience las vegas so joking yeah. apart really important point and that shows up in the metrics so i guess we're focused on metrics so conversion rates lousy are you really looking at the problem behind the problem and communicating that clearly and then linking features like wonderful buttressed kind of design or whatever <laughs> you can stomp on it i like that so what are yeah. the other metrics we really need to be looking out for to, so, to yeah, drive so the actual profit first traffic and conversion so sessions conversion Keyword ranking, what's your main keyword and where do you rank on those search results, right? So this is huge for organic sales. If you're like on page four or five of your main keyword, or you don't even know what your main keyword is, you will struggle to get organic sales, which means all of your sales will come from PPC, which means all of your sales will come to you expensively. You will lose a lot of profit if all of your sales come from ads alone. So you really want to get your uh, keyword ranking up. How do you do that? Well, you get sales on those keywords. Your conversion is high on those keywords. And you get high conversion and, 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 and clicks on the, the ads as well. So there's kind of like multiple things in there, but you know, you could even drive outside traffic and try to convert that. That helps as well. But nothing helps as much as getting sales directly on that keyword. So if somebody goes and finds your product through searching on Amazon through a main keyword and buys it, that's the best way to get ranking on a main keyword. There's ways to do that. You can actually, if you have any sort of like customer list, even if it's like 10, 20, 30 people. You can say, hey, go find my product using this keyword, search a couple pages in, buy it, and then you know, give them a discount or whatever. So that way they can get that, get that product. There's many, many ways out there. There's even there's even companies that'll do it through their com customer lists and stuff like that. But yeah, th there's there's ways to get, we call it like velocity of sales on a keyword. So you got to boost your keyword ranking. If you're on page like four or five, you're likely not going to get very many sales, especially not at you know, not through not ads, right? So you have to get those sales through ads. Imagine if it costs you $2 per sale through ads to get every single sale. And you can track that. Like, what's your, what's your cost per acquisition, as, as they call it? So if it's $2 through ads and you're at $250 in profit, well, you're not making very much profit. That's you know, 
on like a ten dollar product, that's what five five percent profit after ads or something like that. That's not enough. That's not what you want to successfully have a profitable business. So when we talk about profit, that's another metric you want to track. Where do your sales come from? How much is it costing you to get those sales? You know, how many ads are, or how many sales are coming from ads? How many coming from organic? And you just find the ads and then subtract it from your overall. That's how you find out how many are organic. Yeah. But then you, your profit, obviously, every single month, you, you have. it's not as easy to find just a true profit number because you also have expenses in your business that aren't in there and stuff like that. But get an accountant. You will have a profit and loss statement every single month. If you do $100,000 in sales and your profit for the month is only $5,000, what's well, a 5% after everything, right? That's very easy once you have an accountant to do that. Now, yeah. there are things within that that, you know, if you're doing accrual accounting, it helps because it it tells you when your sales come in as opposed to when you pay for the goods and then, you know, the sales come later. So, accrual accounting really just means it's inventory based and it's not like, hey, I paid for my inventory in September, so I'm a minus $40,000 in September, but I sold them all in November and December where I'm plus 60,000 plus 100,000 whereas accrual accounting just says the inventory comes in when it's sold. So that minus 40,000 wouldn't happen in September, it would just happen whatever. So it kind of gives you a more um, intelligent way to understand how you're buying and selling and where your profits coming each month. But if you don't do that, you're just looking at cash accrual, you will have big dips and big big peaks, right? So Yeah. Either way you do it, you just need to know profit and understand why the profit is like that. Yeah. You know. Another thing is if you're looking at profit, stop paying for so many stupid tools that you don't use. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and thinking, hey, you know what? I got to get this course on how to flash sell something and, and do this ninja trick or whatever. Stop buying that stuff and your business will be more profitable. Get actual training, coaching, people that help you, not just some videos on YouTube that you think are, are going to help you. Yeah, if you're going to spend money, invest in yourself. Agreed with that. So a couple of uh, points. First of all, to the accrual accounting thing. I, I think it's absolutely, I say this with the knowledge that one of the biggest sellers I work with getting on for eight figures now in, in dollar terms, I guess, a year has just switched up to accrual accounting from cash accounting. So that's one exception that maybe proves the rule, which is I think that accrual accounting is the only meaningful type of uh, accounting for an inventory-based business like exactly. a little coaching business you and i worked well maybe you've got a big coaching business but i i'd have a huge one and it's 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 cash accounting at yeah. least it's moved over to accrual accounting now because my my bookkeeper finds it easier and i kind of prefer it. i think it's more business-like thinking but it didn't make much difference whereas with inventory as you said that there's a huge huge difference between cash flow and profit and loss on the unit economics are not going to be clear you know so you effectively think in terms of we buy this unit for three dollars it costs us two dollars to sell on amazon wallet if only let's say you buy a unit for six dollars it costs you five dollars to sell on amazon and you're selling it for fifteen dollars so that five is is the gross profit sort of attributable yeah. to that product right so that kind of thinking can only really come about i think when you've got accrual accounting and and also i think what people get very lazy about and i would just beg people i'd be interested in your thoughts about this but as soon as you can and i guess my question is when should this happen please do cash flow uh, analysis separately from profit and loss because they're completely different things. And as you said, yeah. the cash flow spikes up and down. If you don't see that coming, if you just have a lovely accrual of profit and loss and you don't have cash flow, I think you're just going to go out of business. What are your yeah. thoughts about that? And how early do we need to get that in place in your opinion? 100%. So cash flow is more important than profit in the sense that if you don't have cash flow, you don't have a business at all. Agree Michael Dell <laughs> from the computer company Dell actually said in, in a famous quote, he said something like, you know, they were looking at the speedometer in their business, right? So how many sales are driving, right? But they didn't look at the gas tank, which is cash flow. So 
they're going as fast as they could to accelerate sales, but then realize that they don't actually have enough gas or cash to keep scaling. Another business that did this was WeWork. They kept scaling and scaling and scaling, growing all these WeWorks across the world, all these new offices. But then when their funding dried up, when their investors stopped putting more money in, they were like, well, we can't afford to scale. We're literally broke. And we're like a $40 billion company. That makes no sense, right? This happens to huge companies all the time. And it will happen to you at some point where if you stop paying attention to cash flow and start launching these products and thinking, oh, we'll just got to scale, 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 get to $100,000, you'll find yourself struggling to even reorder any inventory. You'll find yourself struggling to be able to afford to advertise. You'll struggle to help yourself actually maintain ranking. You will struggle all along the way if you're not paying attention to how much cash flow is there. And the good thing is about cash flow is it doesn't have to be 100% accurate, but you have to forecast it. So you can forecast it and say, okay, look, here's what I expect to be making. Here's here's the sales that come in. Here's the profit I'm expecting per month. And when I have to order, you know, $14,000 in units or a deposit of, you know, 4,000 for that and 10,000 later for the final payment, you can forecast that out. We actually do have in our in our coaching program a cash flow planner linked to a sales forecaster so that way you can actually forecast your sales and then see where your cash flow kind of needs to come in if you need to fund it or if you actually have excess per month. And essentially we have this zero dollar. Like if you're if if all the columns on the bottom of this thing say zero dollars, that means your business is self-funding, which is the place where you want to be. You don't want to have to keep throwing money into your business because it's not funding itself. If you think about how you scale, scale smartly, don't scale beyond your means. It's like if you go out and say, hey, I make you know hundred thousand dollars a year, I'm gonna go out and buy a Ferrari. Why? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You're buying a car that is more expensive than your entire annual salary. That makes no sense, right? There's yeah. nothing there about that that makes a, a good economical decision. As soon as you drive it off the lot, that $250,000 car is now $180,000. So yeah. you just lost $70,000 in equity on a car that you shouldn't have bought in the first place. So now you're, you're making poor decisions. It's just like scaling too fast. Like don't do that because you can't afford to do that. Yeah. By the way, I do know one business owner who's now scaled into the eight figures who loves Maseratis and has bought a couple, but his business is run with an iron, you know, not an iron fist, but an iron grip on the cash flow projections. I have 10 year cash flow projection and a full time mm-hmm. chief financial officer, right? Or financial director in English, in British English. So yeah, they, because their business is run incredibly well with an iron cash flow and is profitable, wonderful brand building. He can personally afford to go and buy a car and, and drive it off the lot and lose VAT in this country. It drops 20% yep. immediately and then everything else. So, yeah, it is kind of foolish unless you can afford it because your business is absolutely killing it. And then you're yep. in a position like the guys on YouTube. Should you actually love cars? I mean, he actually genuinely loves cars. He's a very generous, actually normal, even really great human being. I've known him for years now, but one of my former clients and, and our friend and, and, and colleague. But that, yes acting like you've got money when you haven't for sure very stupid definitely very stupid and you do see that sometimes um so difference in the business right acting like you have money to fund products that you don't you just don't even know that you don't yeah exactly the stuff you don't know that you don't know is what you're going to kill exactly your point and to your point about your tool by the way it sounds really really cool i like this that that it gives you the amount of money sort of drops out at the bottom of this tool that's you know, if it's zero, it's self-funding. If not, then you need to put this much in to, to fund the growth plans you have. Yeah. So how do we access that tool? That sounds very good. That's actually through our training. It's it's a proprietary um, thing that we do within there. So it's it's in our coaching program. So, you know, if you are interested, you can you can find us, go teamreal.com and 
and see if you, that's something, it's not just the only thing, right? Like we have multiple <laughs> things within our business where, you know, you'll find how much profit you make on each product. So that's the other thing, right? So profit per product is a lot easier to find than business profit, right? Like the business profit, you have to get an accountant or usually, but profit per product, you can see how much you spend or, or how much it costs to get the product, how much freight, duties, any of that stuff. You can add all that up. That's cost for your expenses for your product. Then how much do you sell for it? What's the uh, FBA fees? If you have any taxes or VAT, what's all that? And then you minus all that away from you know what the what the selling price is, and then you got your profit at the end. So pro- per profit, per product profit is very easy. Now the other thing that people don't do is track again that customer acquisition cost through ads. So how much does it cost for one product to be sold through an ad? And you average this obviously. So. Generally speaking, if you just looked at how much it was through ads, it might be like four or five dollars to spend on ads to get one sale or something like that. And that's at like a 20, 30, 40 percent a cost, which people are familiar with. But if you look at it overall in the business, because you're also going to have organic sales, you, you have to attribute that cost per acquisition to all the units, right? So it comes down to maybe like one or two dollars, and you have to then minus that away. So then your true your true profit after all those ads and all those other costs should be that number, whatever that is, true cost, right? So that's your true profit. If you don't know that, it's it's actually, you're probably not even considering how much profit and, and expenses are in your ads. Yeah. You need to do that. 100%. Oh, God. Month. Absolutely right. Yeah, the advertising to sales ratio, TACOS is what it's called. I, yeah. I really prefer these days to just get away from Amazon-specific metrics because it gives the impression, which I think is just a disaster that amazon's a special case and doesn't obey the laws of of business physics if you like and that's rubbish i mean advertising sales ratio has been around for you know at least probably a century in in american business uh, because advertising is kind of american born and and developed i would say and you know you you could be spending money on coca-cola ads uh, to drive product sales in you know arkansas for example and then you know and look at the sales of products and then do have an advertising sales ratio so it's the same as tacos the same number you're referring to but it's it's actually industry, you know, non-specific, which is great. And as you say, it's really simple. If you don't know that, if you're selling your product to what you think is a 30% profit margin, and then you are spending 40% of that money on ads, then you're not selling at a profit margin, you're selling at a 10% yeah. loss. And, you know, every time somebody says to me, oh, I don't know what my, my total advertising to sales ratio is, tacos, whatever, my experience is, they're just losing tons of money because they're giving it all to Jeff. And Jeff doesn't need your help, folks. He's, he's the yeah. richest man in the world doesn't need your money <laughs> so well, he's an astronaut now so he really doesn't need your money he really doesn't know and he spends it he just puts the odd billion dollars a year towards his space program so he can afford yeah. you know little luxuries never mind that that ferrari that you were saying is so inadvisable i think rockets take up a little bit more money than the ferraris uh so the other metrics let's just quickly touch on other ones that there's a few we've got here in our list what, what are the other sort of three or four metrics that you would yeah so uh, keep an eye on gotta know like your review count so number of reviews you have, that's that's used for social proof, right? The star rating along with that, like if you have 2,000 reviews, but you're at 3.6 star rating, you're almost guaranteed to have a low conversion rate or oh, yeah. less than ideal conversion rate because you need to have at least a 4.0 rating. Hmm. I don't know of any products I've ever bought on Amazon with less than a 4.0. And it yeah. pretty much has to be over like 4.1 because at 4.0, I'm like, that's getting too close. Like yeah. I want it to be over 4.1. And I guarantee you, if you thought about your buying habits, you would do the exact same thing. So if you're not buying products at 4.0 or below, neither is a normal customer. So you yeah. have to keep those things up. It's yeah. huge for your conversion rate. 
By the way, 3.5 average in and 2,000 reviews, your product's dead, my friend, get out. <laughs> Sell those units <laughs> out cheap, you know, get get as much money as you can back out and do not keep worrying about that because that is yeah. dead. This is going to be so much work. You to do some to sort that. of product quality yeah, exactly. or something. That product ago. is dead to get out, yeah. get the money and leave. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. it's just amazing. Occasionally you do see that. People just really kind of soldier on. Yeah, like you like, got uh, 50 reviews and you get one five-star, you know, one-star review. It can drag your average down and yeah, yeah, you just work that out. But yeah. That's when you end up paying way more for ads just to drive people there to have like a 3% or 5% conversion yeah. rate. And 100%. you're spending way more than you should on that. So just yeah. sell it out. It'll, it'll, st- it'll Your cash flow will improve. By just selling that product. Out. Yeah, just stop selling the product and life will be better immediately. Yep. <laughs> okay, great. What are the other things we got to look for? I think, you know, the only other thing really that I check is, well, pricing between myself and, and competitors. I track that so that way you know if something goes up, like sales go up or down or, or anything that goes up and down, you, you, you do look at pricing because you want to be competitive. If you're at a price like three or four or $5 higher than the top competitor, why would anybody buy you over them? Like, this is what I hear people say all the time. And there are ways that you can make this happen, but here's what you're going to do. You're going to limit the amount of sales you can provide, the limit, the amount of sales you can have in a month, because if you're higher priced, you might have a better profit. Cool. That's okay. But understand that you will more than likely get less sales per month than most of your main competitors because you're overpriced of them. And there is a reasonable amount of money that people will be willing to spend on anything. Now, I got another analogy for you, Michael. This is one that I use a lot. I call this the golden toilet scenario. So (laughs) you can go out and sell golden toilets, $10,000 a toilet, right? You might get one or two people who are super rich that want a golden toilet. You got your Donald Trumps out there. You got your Robert Kiyosaki's maybe. You got owner of Nintendo. I don't know. These guys might buy golden toilets. So you might think, well, I'm trying to sell 40 golden toilets a month or 100 golden toilets or 10 golden toilets a day. At $10,000. Sure, that's a great idea in theory. But if you know that most people are probably not buying golden toilets on Amazon and they're just buying regular toilets, you would be way less likely to actually hit your sales goal and potentially even your profit by doing that. So if you're thinking, hey, I need to sell 20 units a day at $5 above my main competitor to hit my sales goal, my profit goal, but you know that you're selling $5 over the main competitor and say the main competitor is only selling 40 units a day, you're probably not going to hit those 20 sales a day you're probably going to hit five or 10 sales a day at best because you're more expensive. And if you don't have reviews and you don't have price and potentially you don't even have a better listing, a lot of people don't even have a better listing than their main competitor. If you don't have anything to offer the customer to buy yours over the main competitor, they're not going to buy you. So why would they spend more money? If, if you think it's all about quality, sure. Here's the difference between selling the best quality product or the best, the golden toilet, right? Most people want the best value, a functional toilet, essentially, right? They want the toilet that costs the right amount of money for their budget that works. They don't want a golden toilet most of the time. So they don't want the best or most luxurious version of something. Most people on Amazon are not shopping for luxurious versions. They're, they're looking at the best value. So good product at a good, at a good price, right? That's value. That's what they're looking for. So you need to offer them that great value, great product at a great price. You do that. You will get sales every single day. Yeah, I mean, it's a golden toilet for starters. It sounds deeply hideous, but I mean, I guess I can imagine certain people you've mentioned buying it. I'm not going to get into fights on Facebook about it. But apart from that taste issue, I, I, you know, something that's super high end, it doesn't really belong on Amazon as a whole. It's not like there aren't expensive products sold on Amazon, but one sale a, a year isn't really going to make you rich. 
And uh, if you've got an MOQ of 10 and you sell one a year, you're still massively overstocked in golden yeah. toilets. 10 and years, also, 10 years uh, of toilets, right? There. 10 years of toilets does not sound like something we want, really. But also, it's missing the point. It's not Harrods. It's not a place where you expect to stock, you know, very high-end goods and shift, you know, have a few of them and then shift a few of them to, you know, wealthy Ar- Arabs in, in Harrods here would, you know, literally, well, that's send people, it's a sort of place, by the way, literally, they probably would buy a gold toilet, literally made of yeah. gold for like $200,000, but you'll sell one a year. And so, yes, that's not the place to do it. Amazon is about value. As you say, value might be $300, it might be $500, it might be $5, but yeah, yeah it probably isn't and, and a, a gold toilet. a lot of those toilet. high street stores that you talk about i mean they're yeah. they're known for exclusivity right that's exactly why they right. price it so high yeah they're not gonna yeah. put that stuff on amazon because no it, it, would it be. cheapens the value of their their offer yeah and but you make it you know jo- joking apart you make an extremely good point and i think the other thing is simply my experience is that people delude themselves that they look at what the competitors have to offer or had to offer six months ago even or a year and by the time they've sourced the private label product uh, the market shifted so it's not a 50 dollar product it's 40 dollars. Yeah. why because the rest of the market is something something pretty much exactly the same quality hopefully not exactly the same but very comparable at forty dollars that is the price for a premium end of that market then there's the mid market and then there's the super cheap nasty ones but yeah. it's not 50 and if it's 50 and you don't justify the price you're just going to have tiny sales as you say it's just exactly. it doesn't make sense because you'll end up with moq out of sync with the, the sales and all the rest of it and yeah it comes down to not deluding yourself a lot of the time doesn't it exactly uh, and, we, and if you don't believe me here's a quote directly from jeff bezos he said Show me your profit or show me your margin and I'll show you the opportunity. Meaning, yeah, right. If you have a 20% <laughs> Scary. margin, he's going to sell it at 18%, right? Yeah, he's yeah. He's going to beat you on it. Absolutely. That's, that's Amazon in a nutshell right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, your margin is my opportunity. Something like that was in a very, very yeah. scary word. But the main thing is to not compete with Amazon basics directly. Otherwise, you're going to yeah. really just play into that. But also, the reassuring thing I would say is that Amazon probably wants your business as a third-party seller because they don't want to be a first-party seller anymore. I think they lost something yeah. scary, like $40 billion last year on their own first-party sellers. So they don't really particularly yeah. well, want to the, compete. The funny thing is you'd think they'd be really good at mil- building listings and, nah, and selling these things you. and making good <laughs> images. But they don't. They standardize their listings. So so they don't stand out at all. They have no real benefits in their listing. They just talk about features. So they actually make it harder for themselves to sell that product to a customer. Whereas we don't have to apply those same principles, even though Amazon really wants us to, but you just ignore that because it doesn't it doesn't mean anything, right? So you create these great listings and you have, like I sell against a lot of Amazon basic stuff and I'm never beaten by them because mm. even though they're cheaper, you look at the list, like even just the main image, I'm like, that image looks gross. It looks like a used product it just is mm-hmm. bad lighting doesn't look great it's it's ugly colors and that's pretty much amazon basics in a nutshell for most of their products it just looks simple and boring and the they don't do themselves any favors yeah so i guess what the the flip side to the, the quote you mentioned your margins my opportunities like your lousy to to jeff we can say back your lousy marketing on your own platform is our opportunity <laughs> absolutely right but yeah. you can't beat somebody with like nine beautifully optimized photos of selling at 40 dollars. you're going to be selling at 40 dollars more or less exactly. if you want the same sales velocity whereas if they're selling an rsd amazon basics one at 25 dollars, we should be able to beat them so you're right there is there's always margin to to beat the competition if the competition is mediocre and that's I guess just got to make sure we, we don't delude ourselves that our product's better just because it's our product. We all have that bias. It's like parents. Apparently, the average parent thinks their child is smarter than average, which tells you a lot. I guess that's genetics, right? You're, you're, yeah. com- you, you think your child's better because you, it belongs to you, as it were, <laughs> as you're part of you. And that's natural and, and it's biology and it's all good. But that doesn't mean it's objectively true. And I think yeah. when it comes to our products... 
we have to be a little bit harder headed, don't we? So uh, I, that's a good reality check on which to, to finish. Well, look, you've obviously know a lot of, you've got a great deal of common sense. And, and I, I think that's actually really helpful. I like the fact that you keep it simple because a lot of the stuff that matters, it doesn't have to be super hacky and clever. It just needs to be like, right, if you haven't got a profit margin, you haven't got a profit margin. <laughs> and if your advertising is too expensive, then you need to do something about conversion rates or get out as we've discussed. So that times in with my approach, I, I think common sense is not that common. So for those who want to hear more from you, I know you've got some free training. Tell us a little bit about yep. uh, the free training that's on offer. Yeah, so you can go to our website. I know you've got a link that you're going to put in the show notes below. That's right, yeah. Amazingfba.com forward slash go team real if you want to get that. That's right. Yep. So go to that website and then you can get some free training. Um, we talk about a lot of this stuff. And if you are interested in actually us helping you achieve this stuff in your business, so make profit, you know, give you these you know tools to actually be able to figure all this stuff out and you know, really open your mind to just running a business instead of you thinking like this is a hobby where I sell some some Amazon goods, right? If you want to understand how to run this as a business and make this, you know, a, a potential freedom goal for yourself, we're here to help. And and that's I know Michael, you do an amazing job with your your podcast and with your with your group. So there's a lot of help out there. Don't just think, hey, you know what? I can do this on my own by watching some YouTube videos. We've seen people crash and burn several times and then come to us when they're like on their last leg and say, oh, I've spent $50,000 on all sorts of other stuff, inventory, maybe, you know, free tra like training that then upsold them to some other tools or ninja trick stuff. It's like we had a guy who in, uh, I think it was 2016, spent a hundred thousand dollars on training, then came to us broke. And I was like, well, what can we, what can we do now? Like you don't even have enough money to launch a product. You need to understand that if you just do things the right way, you save thousands and thousands of dollars in mistakes for yourself later. So that's, I mean, that's really what the coaching and, and, and good quality people like yourself, Michael, our team, we're here to help. So that way, if you really want to know how to run a business, invest in yourself, work with people who know what the hell they're doing and how to help people like you. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say a couple of things on that. First of all, um, if you think training is expensive, you should try just making mistakes without training. I'm yeah. not saying that I'm here to pitch my training or Isaac, you, well, you've got to make your own decisions. It has to be proportionate to your own financial means as well. If you've got $10,000 in the bank, don't spend $5,000 on training. That's just silly because that's half of the money gone and you won't have enough for inventory. But you know, on the other hand, I, I know people started with a budget of fifty, sixty thousand dollars, and they spent ten thousand on training, and that was a good investment because it was good yeah. quality training. So it's all relative. And the other thing I'd say is this: that you got different people resonate with you. And I, I got Isaac on because, although we're talking frankly about stuff that I've talked about for for years, everyone's got a different personal style, and I liked Isaac's style and that that kind of background and, and personal common sense. So I'd say to anyone listening or watching, go with the person that you feel is your kind of person, or at least explore that. And, and obviously, if you're based in the states, Isaac based in the states. If you're going to go for coaching live, then time zones matter. So I'd, I would always suggest yeah. to, I've worked with Americans. I'm very happy to work with Americans and I've helped them. But I would always suggest Americans work with Americans for practical reasons and that Europeans would probably tend to work with a European-based coach for, for the same practical yeah. reasons. I mean, you don't want to be up till 10 p.m. when somebody's... No. You know, available <laughs> like 2 p.m. Exactly. Yeah. The time zone differences can get a bit brutal, particularly for Las Vegas. I mean, that's uh, yeah. that's kind of like seven hours different from the UK. And the other thing I would say is that obviously I can coach people how to sell in the US or to sell in the UK or Germany, having done that myself. But yeah. I have the point of view of a UK based person. I know how to import to to america as a foreign entity which is a different problem for yeah. you selling in the uk as an american is a different view and you'd naturally have a, a take on that so yeah i just urge people to, to just 
pick pick horses for courses and hey, if you like Isaac's stuff I'd be delighted if you go and check him out because I think you have a lot of common sense so lots of good stuff some reminders of a lot of stuff that we should already know in a way really if you've been around the block for a while a lot of people ignore it so I've no no apology for getting us to say this stuff again and again until it kind of sinks in like profit is not cash flow hello Isaac anything else I should have asked you no, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, we, we've already talked for like an hour. We could talk for five, six hours. I mean, you're not going to get everything you need to know from a, a one hour podcast or a 30 minute podcast or a 10 minute video on YouTube. Find somebody to help you. If you, if you truly are struggling or you want to make this really work, find somebody to help you. That's literally, that's, that's the main thing. It's like when you have a bad back, like I brought up earlier, do you just try to take some painkillers and, and that's how you diagnose and fix the problem? Or do you go to the doctor and see what the actual problem is to fix it, right? You need yeah. to diagnose your business and have somebody who actually knows what they're doing help you with that. I agree with that. Yeah, even if you're super smart, even if you're a doctor or a lawyer, as a Robert Wright friend of mine, who's a very, very good lawyer that we speak to regularly in the mastermind, says only a, a fool has a lawyer for, you know, has himself for a lawyer. And it's because yeah. you can't see yourself from the outside. So I think there's always yeah. a case for an outside pair of eyes. Look, Socrates, who, who defended himself in trial and then ended up getting uh, put to death. Well, that's quite the outcome. We better make sure we, yeah. Well, on that rather sobering note, uh, we better wrap up here. So, Isaac, just remains for me to say uh, thank you so much for bringing some common sense, reminding of some some good basic disciplines that we all need to review. Are we actually doing this stuff? And uh, just remains for me to say thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me.